Hello and welcome to Talking Tax, a Bloomberg Tax podcast. Today we're recording a really special episode highlighting the top things that our team learned at this year's American Bar Association Tax Section Mid-Year Meeting in San Diego, California. Uh, today I have with me Bloomberg Tax reporters Laura Davison, Ali Versparel, Allison Bennett, and Isabel Gottlieb. Guys, thank you so much for joining us. Thanks for having us. us. All right. So what we're going to do today is just, again, talk about the top things that we learned at this year's ABA meeting. I hope you guys had a good time in sunny California. Uh, Welcome back. But uh, let's just go around the table and talk about our top takeaways. Uh, Laura, let's start with you. So the biggest thing that that I went away from is that Treasury is kind of using their broad authority to write rules to implement this tax law. So Dana Trier, who's essentially the number two tax guy at Treasury, um, he basically, when people question, oh, what are you doing about this? Is this confusing? He's like, look, guys, this isn't confusing. We'll figure it out. You know, there are principles from the past that we can rely on. And, you know, if there are parts of the law that maybe weren't drafted perfectly, you know, he's been saying people have been coming in and saying, oh, Congress can't possibly intend this. He's like, well, if we you know, went by that standard, we don't have to throw out half the law because a lot of it is uh, not uh, not written quite well. He even said, you know, it's not really a model of sophistication. Uh, but he's saying, look, we're doing our best that we can to to write rules that we, uh, you know, go back and talk to the people who actually worked on it on the Hill, find out what they meant, and then and write regulations that, that implement that. Uh, that being said, however, they still uh, need a technical corrections bill to do some specific things where the law just really doesn't give them any wiggle room. Uh, one example that's been talked about a lot is qualified improvement property. So this is basically depreciable property for restaurants, um, leasers, uh, retailers. And uh, in the conference report, it says that you can write that down over 15 years. It just doesn't say that in the law. And Dana Trier was like, you know, look, there's really nothing we can do with that. Uh, Congress is going to have to go back and do something. But uh, Trier was not confident at all that they'll be able to do that. Uh, there's just not political will, at least right now, to, to get some some fixes on, on, the, on the statute, as it were. Okay. Well, Laura, thank you so much. Uh, next, let's go to Allie. Allie, what was one of your top takeaways from this year's conference? I know you've been before. What about this year? So I think what was interesting in this year, this year was pretty much every panel that I was on, uh, Treasury and IRS were, were saying, please send us your comments. We're still accepting them. We're still trying to figure this out ourselves. Um, so I think, especially in some of these secondary issues that maybe aren't uh, pass-throughs or international, where maybe they have a bit more um, progress and guidance, uh, they're really looking for practitioners to tell them what the important issues are, what they need to clarify. Uh, so for things like the executive compensation changes um, and things along those lines. And I know in the accounting space, I actually, there was, there seemed to be a bit more specific information that, that we were getting in terms of tax reform. And I know one of the big takeaways was uh, there was this big financial accounting standards board, uh, you know, revenue recognition standard that came out in 2014. A lot of companies, or not a lot of companies, but some early adopted in 2017. And the IRS was already working on some guidance, uh, but the new tax law, you know, made some changes to revenue recognition, sort of put a wrench into that guidance and now made it more necessary to have the separate package to address early adopters who um, have already been, you know, dealing with this standard in 2017 because the the ones that have it apply after 2018 are kind of dealing with a new set of rules, with the new tax law. Um, so that was kind of an interesting area that came up. And, uh, you know, I know with accounting, and I'm not sure how, how this expand, expands across these other areas, um, but they said even with tax reform and the new guidance on the, the priority guidance plan, 
they are still trying to get some of these other projects out by that June 30 deadline, um, even ones that aren't tax reform related. So we'll have to see if if they're able to do that and if other you know departments of the IRS are, are looking to do the same thing. Hey, excellent. Uh, Allison, let's go to you next. I know you have some things that you brought away from the Conference on International Tax Enforcement. Why don't you let the listeners know about that? That's right. On the tax reform legislation, they enacted some very, very complex international provisions. They basically rewrote most of the international tax code. They came up with some very generous benefits for U.S. multinationals, but at the same time, they came up with some very complicated hammers, and they put in very complicated base erosion provisions, and there's a lot of interest in learning how those work how those affect our, our company, How what can we do overseas and what can't we do overseas. And there's been some tension between people asking for guidance now. What can we, what can we do right now? This is what we need to know now. And, and the provisions being so complicated that Treasury is saying we need to take a step back. We need to think about this. This is, you know, in, in words of one Treasury official, uh, the world has been turned upside down. And so they need to think their way through it. And there's one example of quick guidance that they're doing is a provision uh, where a company is required to bring back their earnings and profits, and that is deemed to have occurred before January 1st, 2018. So they are deemed to have bring back all these earnings and profits in 2017 and pay a one-time tax. And there are so many questions about how that tax applies. How do we figure it? How does that figure into our 2018 tax return? And they are putting out swift notices on that. But there's, you know, a lot of tension between what can we do with quick regulations and what can we do, you know, with, with longer term guidance. And that's the, the message that I got. They're asking people to be patient. They're asking them to understand that, that we need time to think about this. Okay. Thanks so much, Allison. Uh, so last but certainly not least, uh, we have Isabel to talk a little bit about, uh, from the transfer pricing perspective, the digital economy. Uh, so what did you learn at the conference, Isabel? Yeah. So one of the um, interesting panels I sat in on was about um, taxing the digital economy. Um, it was a discussion between tax directors at some tech companies and government officials and practitioners. Um, and this is actually an important topic in transfer pricing this year, because in April, the OECD will be releasing its task force on the digital economy report, um, looking at fair ways to tax multinational tech companies. Um, this is a really big deal in um, a lot of countries that are dealing with U.S. multinational tech companies, um, trying to find out where the sort of fair value is to tax them. Um, in the EU, India has special rules for ta- um, taxing tech companies. So the the tax directors of the tech companies were saying, look, our value chain goes across borders, our value is aggregate, Um, how do you want us to use transfer pricing methods to put value on what we make? And the government officials basically said, yeah, transfer pricing still works. Um, There was really a focus on go back to the basics of transfer pricing, functions, risks, assets, uh, focus on the arm's length standard. And they said, look, we know a lot of countries are moving in the other direction and doing all this sort of special stuff for tech companies, for digital economy companies, they call them. Um, And we don't think that they should be treated any differently. And basic transfer pricing rules still apply. We're not going down that road. Okay. Well, everyone, thank you so much for contributing.
You guys did some excellent reporting and we look forward to even further analysis in the coming days. So thanks again for joining us today on Talking Tax. Thanks. Thank you.